Today's a big day. It's a day of celebration. Can I get a woo-woo? You all got to be more excited than that because we're not going to talk about giving anymore after today for a while. Can I get a woo-woo? That's awesome, right? It's a day of celebration. We're going to see what the Lord is going to do through this group of people. We're going to have a time of commitment. It is a big day for Northview Church. And all of us, we have a Northview Church story. If you are here today, whether it's your first day in the building or whether you've been coming since the first day we started this church or even some of you from months before we started this church in our life group, today you, we, you have a Northview Church story because we all have a church story. If it's your first day in church but you've been to church before, you have a church story. Maybe We've all, if you've been around church, you've all heard the old joke, I had a drug problem when I was a kid. Y'all heard that joke before? Because your parents drug you to church every Sunday. That's what old school pastors say all the time. It's not funny. Sounds like a Craig Gibson joke, I know. But old school dad joke or old school preacher joke, really. Maybe your parents drug you to church every single Sunday, and that is your church story. That's how you got tied into a church. Maybe a friend invited you to a church, or maybe a friend invited you to here. Who is in church Northview Church or just your first time going to church because a friend invited you to come? A few of you are in that boat. Maybe you were intrigued by a message and someone told you about a message or you saw a message online and you were intrigued by the message of the church. Or maybe you came to church because you were going through something in your life and you had a specific need that you needed to be met at that time and you didn't know where else to look, and you ended up in church, whatever it may be, you have a church story. You go to church for something, for some reason. But as we've went through these last few weeks in the Heart for the House campaign, I've realized something. You need to stop. Stop going to church. It, going to church, in all honesty, it does very little for you. It does some, but really it does very little for your soul if you just go to church. So that's my recommendation today. Stop. Stop going to church. Stop going. Stop going to church stuff. Just stop going to church. You know, I thought about that this week, and I looked at our target radius, our mission uh, area for the church is within three to five miles of a circle around our church. And I looked at the population and looked at the statistics, and there are at least 42,000 people just in our small community. Northview is not a, Kodak's not a large populated community. And just within three to five miles of this building, there are 42,000 people who are not going to church today. In larger cities, it is a much greater number. But just here, 42,000 people not going to church today. And the reason they don't go to church today is because there's no value that they see in the church. They come, and it maybe makes them feel good for a few minutes or makes them mad for a few minutes, who knows, but they don't see the value. Or they see it as irrelevant, like it's a great message, but how does that really work for my life? Or... They see us as church-going Christians and say, well, they're a bunch of hypocrites. And they're right, because we are, because we preach a message and then 
all of us mess up every single week. So in that sense, we are a bunch of hypocrites. So people don't go to church. So that's my recommendation to you today. Don't go. Stop going to church because over the last few weeks as I've studied talking about heart for the house and we have went through this heart for the house initiative, we need to stop going to church because church is not a building that we go to. The heart for the house initiative is not just a building. Church is not something we do or it's not a place that we go. So we have to stop going and start being the church. It's time to put our commitment with what we say we believe in. We've talked about Acts chapter 2, the, the model church in the early church in the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to close out Heart for the House today. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 42. It's a passage I've shared every week through the Heart for the House initiative, but today it's our focus passage for this morning. And beginning in verse 42, we read this. All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Like many of you, I grew up going to church. Some of you grew up, you've been in church since... Since you were in the womb, you've been in church every week or often ever since you, before you were born. Like many of you, I grew up going to church. We didn't go every Sunday, but we went a lot, especially when I was younger, when I was a, before my teenage years especially. We went to church quite a bit, and I have some great memories of church. A lot of you have some really good memories of church as a kid. I, I remember my very first church that I was a part of, Greenway Baptist Church over here in Knoxville, a little tiny church. Well, it was bigger than this one, I guess, so not that tiny. But I remember going and being in those children's rooms. And, you know, back here, if you've been in our children's ministry, they get to watch Sunday videos and see the story played out. We had felt boards. You remember what felt boards were? <laughs> Who has seen a felt board before? Who has no idea what I'm talking about? Felt boards were these felt boards. <laughs> That's what they were. And they had little cutout figurines for whatever the Bible story was. So as the teacher would tell the story, they'd say, and Moses, and slap Moses up on the felt board. Parted the Red Sea, and I don't remember what they slapped up. I guess a Red Sea. I have no idea what they put up. Anyways, that was how we had our Bible stories taught to us back then. Now we have multimedia and video and all those things. These kids in the back would see a felt board and be like, I am so bored right now. But I have great memories of that. And, and then I remember as we got a little older, we moved to um, Alice Bell Baptist Church in Knoxville. And I wasn't old enough to be in youth group back then, but my brother and sister were. And I remember running up and down those halls while they were in youth group. And just great memories of that church. We moved to Sevier County and got involved in First Baptist Church of Pigeon Forge. And I remember 
I was in youth group at that point, and that is the church where the Lord spoke to me, and I gave my life to Him in that church. And, and all of those memories, they, they made an impact on my life, but they didn't really change my life. Now, and don't take me wrong, I did get saved, and that is a, an ultimate life-changing thing, but for me at that age, at 13 years old, it was a future thing I was looking to. You know, I've been saved, so I know I get to go to heaven. But it didn't really change the everyday aspect of my life. Church made an impact, but it didn't change me. Christy and I got married, and we joined Beaverdam Baptist Church, and that is the place where I began to get plugged in. There's four things at Beaverdam that really began to change my life with the Lord. I began to understand what fellowship was. Because we got to, I mean, Beaver Dam, just like any Baptist church, likes to eat and eat a lot. So we would gather together and we would have meals. And I got to know people that shared personal stories with me. And I would see Christians going through struggles and how they got through them. And that would help me. And I got to share my own life with other people. And that fellowship strengthened not only bonds with people, but it strengthened my relationship with Jesus. That's the first thing that, that really began to change my everyday. My future had already been changed when I committed my life to Jesus. But my everyday began to change when I got plugged in with fellowship. And then I jumped out of my comfort zone and began to serve. Now, some of you have heard my story of how I began to serve, and I felt a call to youth ministry, which is crazy now because I don't even like students anymore. No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. But I remember meeting with the youth pastor at the time and saying, I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do, but I don't like middle schoolers. So guess where I got put? I was a middle school Sunday school teacher for years. Uh, and then after that, I was a middle school pastor for years. So the Lord has a sense of humor. If you don't, just if you don't think so, just challenge him. But when I began to serve, it began to change me, and I began to see the importance of serving and how that builds up your relationship with the Lord. While I was at Beaver Dam, I was exposed really for the first time in my life to what discipleship really looks like. Uh, I had a, we had a, a mentor who met, he'd come to our house, me and Christy, he'd meet with us, and he would walk us through what it looks like to really follow Jesus. And we met with him for a few months, and and he took us through, at that time it was a program you went through, but he, he focused on us and he poured into us. And I began to see what discipleship really can do as we grow in our faith. And I began to understand what it really looks like to follow Jesus. And Beaver Dam is also the place where I began to understand the importance of generosity. Now, like many of you, giving for me was a struggle. Because early in our marriage, and at various points through our marriage, you know, things are tight sometimes. And to say, I'm going to give a tithe off the top of my income, well, that meant something probably wasn't getting paid. But we stepped out in faith and began to see generosity as a, a blessing to us. And somehow, the Lord always came through. And it's not like we made more money, but the bills still got paid. I never did figure out how that worked. But it did. So I began... While I was at Beaver Dam to be changed through fellowship, through serving, through discipleship, through generosity, we stopped going to church and we started being the church. Heart for the house. 
This initiative that we started four weeks ago, really way before we even rolled it out to the, to the full church, we've been going through this initiative for Heart for the House as a leadership team, as core group. It is not about a building. I know that, that we see the picture of this building up here on this box, and you see, well, that, that's what this is all about. It's not about the building. It's about the people we can reach when we have a hub to do ministry out of. It's not about a building. It's about a people with a heart for Jesus. It's about a people with a heart for Jesus and showing others to Jesus. It's about being the church. It's not about going to church. We don't have to have a building to do church. But in our context, a building is very beneficial to do church. So let's look at the early church example. What did they look like that we can model ourselves after if we're going to have a heart for the house? And when I say a heart for the house, you remember in the last few weeks, it's not a heart for this building, it's a heart for the church and the church being the people of God. First thing we see in this passage, all the believers devoted themselves. They, they were devoted to the church. They had a heart for the house. They were sold out for the kingdom. They were willing to do whatever it took to grow the kingdom. It, it's not a place that they went. It's just who they were. They were the church. They didn't even have a building to call their own. Sure, they met in the temple, but that was not their church. It was a Jewish temple that they would go to. So, when they would gather together, they were doing it just in homes and in, in common areas where they could get together. They, they were devoted. Not having a building did not stop them. They were devoted to the house. They were devoted to the church. They weren't half-hearted. They weren't just showing up one day a week and saying, hey, I'm putting in my time. They were fully devoted to the mission of the church, fully committed. You, you know, in all things, whether it's school, whether it's your jobs, even in your families, relationships, all things, success comes, it begins when we're fully committed to whatever we're putting our focus into. It begins with devotion, and faith is no different. But let's think about it this way. We're in the holidays now. Thanksgiving is Thursday. Can y'all believe this year is almost over? Uh, Thanksgiving's Thursday. And by the way, if you're not signed up, we need your help because there's 160-something signed up for this thing on Thursday now. It looks like it may be the largest one we've ever done. Of course, half of them never show up. So we'll see how that really goes. Anyways, so Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to pig out for Thanksgiving. Who's going to you know, have to wear your stretchy pants Thursday? Amen. Who's not admitting it, but you're going to wear your stretchy pants Thursday? It's not gluttony on Thanksgiving, right? Uh, and then uh, you're going to have probably some Christmas parties to go to and your big Christmas feast. Many of us do big feasts with our family. And then January is going to come. And you're going to be like, man, I'm so fat. I've got to go on a diet. Almost all of us in this room are going to make some sort of New Year's resolution. And many of us, that resolution is going to be going on a diet. So what if we did our diet this way? I think we could all be on board with this. On Sundays, 
we're going to eat super healthy. Uh, like this Sunday, you know, have grilled salmon, some broccoli, maybe choke down a little cauliflower. That stuff's nasty. I don't know why people eat that stuff. And you're, you're going to feel really good about yourself. And then on Monday and the rest of the week, you're going to be like, hey, I ate great yesterday. And you know, this coming Sunday, I, I had salmon this week. So this coming Sunday, I got some grilled chicken going on. I'm going to have a nice big salad. Uh, and I can't wait to do that. You want to go get a cheeseburger today? And you eat anything you want through the week. Uh, you're only committed to it on Sunday mornings, but the rest of the week you're just kind of doing what you want to do and don't even think about the diet really, or you talk about the diet. That's the good one. Let's talk about the diet that I'm on. I'm going to tell you as I'm sitting here eating my pizza, the whole thing, that I'm on a diet and I have to eat good on Sunday. That's how we do our faith a lot of the time. But we are great showing up to church on Sunday mornings. Uh, and then on Monday, we may even talk to our coworkers and say, you know what, Greg actually preached a good message yesterday. It's the first one in like six months. It was a really good message. Or we'll go to our life group and like, we had this great prayer time with our life group. And then you do everything else like Jesus doesn't exist. We live our lives many times, our faith, like we are half-heartedly in it. But the early church wasn't. The early church was fully devoted, fully committed, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They were about the mission. Did they mess up? Absolutely they messed up. I guarantee many of them were doing dumb things throughout the week, but overall, as a group of people, they are committed to the church. So what exactly were they committed to? The first thing, spiritual growth. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They were looking for ways to grow spiritually. This is discipleship. Discipleship doesn't always fall on the discipler. It's part of our own responsibility to make a commitment to be discipled to find someone who will pour into us who is even just a little bit more mature in the faith and say, hey, how do you do this? How do you walk out your faith? They took advantage of every opportunity they could in order to learn what it meant to really follow Jesus and be the church. You know, Northview Church, we have many opportunities for you to seek out discipleship. This, on Sunday mornings, as we come and we, we have a message and sing some songs together, this is not one of those opportunities. This is not discipleship. This is a time that we encourage you and we worship together in community. This is not discipleship. Sure, there's an element. You probably pick up a few things. Hopefully, you pick up a few things that you can apply and live out the faith. But this is not the model of discipleship that we see. So we offer other opportunities. Our primary opportunity for discipleship begins in life groups. If you're not in a life group at this church, you are missing the boat. I've said many times, if you, can't, if you can only make it to one thing, either a life group or Sunday morning, go to your life group because you will gather more from that, digging into the Word, and not just digging into the Word, but leaning on a small group of people than you ever will from gathering here on a Sunday morning. We have... Uh, groups that grow out of those life groups that we don't really publicize. They're, they're 
discipleship groups. We've called them various different things, and it always just confuses people. But basically what it is, we have groups that just kind of form that are three, four, five people who meet together, and we just do life and talk about what it looks like to really, it's more intense than what a life group is. If you're interested in something like that, see Jesse. He's our elder over discipleship. We have a group that meets here every Wednesday night to, to dig into deeper truths of our faith. Right now we're going through uh, core beliefs of our faith. You know, why do we believe this? And not only that, what's that mean for everyday life? You know, the early church took advantage of those opportunities. Are you? Are you taking advantage of opportunities to learn how to really follow Jesus? Or is Sunday it for you? Discipleship is not Sunday morning. Spiritual growth doesn't happen just in this room. It is going to these other opportunities. Digging into to books that we would recommend that you read. Listening to pastors that hopefully you will screen them and make sure they're not false teachers, because there's many of those out there right now. They were devoted to spiritual growth. It mattered to them that they knew what they believed. And we're in a, a day and age where it doesn't really matter to a lot of Christians if we understand what we believe. As long as we can claim the ticket to heaven, then we don't really worry about knowing the details of the faith. They were devoted to fellowship. says in this passage the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals i mean we can all get an amen on that one right in our group wednesday night we talked about creation and talked about how we are not created to be individuals you are not created to be an independent person although many of us may have an independent streak that's not what you were created for just if you remember the, the story of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, when, when God created Adam, he said, it is not good for you to be alone. And he created Adam, a partner named Eve, because we are created for community. And you see it play out in that passage. It is Adam and Eve in community together, but also in community with God. We are created for fellowship, not to be alone. Spending time with other believers has been, throughout my, my life, my adult life, one of the greatest things that God has given me to strengthen my faith. It matters when I can hear someone share a struggle they're going through and realize I'm not the only one. Or when I can share a struggle that I may be going through and can get encouragement from other people who may have gone through something similar. And if not, a group of people who's willing to pray with me over those things. We were created for fellowship. And, and it says in this passage, they gathered together in one place. There are people today, and, and you all would not necessarily fall into this category, but many who are watching us online right now or watching this message in the future online Scripture says they were gathered in one place, and if it's just about watching, then you're not following through on this principle. It is fellowship, and that's something, number one, we can't get that when we stay home and watch it online, but for you all, 
This isn't fellowship. I mean, you're sitting in rows facing the dude up on the, on the stage talking. That's not fellowship. Sure, you may have some fellowship before church till the timer goes off. You may hang around a little after church, some of you a little bit too long. Just to be honest, we want to get to lunch. Throwing that out there. We are created to be in each other's presence. Now, we went through a time where we had to Zoom everything, and that is something that can help. But I believe Scripture teaches we meet together. And if it's a Zoom call that you got to do, at least you are having some interaction with people and not just watching something. We are created for fellowship. It's two-way. It is not a one-way type of communication. The early church was committed, devoted to generosity. Not, not just giving a tithe. They were devoted to like radical, irrational generosity. Generosity that did not make sense. Hey, let's go sell all our stuff because this person needs to make rent this month. And I can help them by selling this. They were devoted radically, selling their stuff, giving it to anybody who had a need. Meeting physical needs and meeting spiritual needs. They were committed to doing whatever it took to bring people into the body of believers and to help those who were already in the body of believers. If we are to be the church, we have to be generous, irrationally generous. Not just writing a check or doing a text every month that gives this percentage that I don't even miss. I'm talking about sacrificial, irrational generosity in order to accomplish what God's called us to do because the last thing we see from the early church is they were devoted to being on mission. They didn't just do these things because someone told them to. They were serving for the sake of the gospel. Their whole purpose for doing what they did was to increase the kingdom. The kingdom is that theme we've talked about over and over these last few weeks. It is not a future thing. The kingdom is today. And the early church was devoted to living out the kingdom today. And it says, people were being saved daily and added to their number. Everything they did was intentional for the gospel. So what happens when we give? Well, we do all of these things. And nobody answers the invitation. Or nobody responds when I ask them to go to church. Or we have these groups and nobody shows up. That's not our responsibility. Because you notice what the text says. They were devoted. They had a heart for the house. But the Lord is the one who added to their fellowship every day those that were being saved. Uh, obedience is our responsibility. Results is God's responsibility. It's not on us whether people respond to the mission. It's on us to be on the mission. To go about being devoted and living out what we're called to do. So my plea for you today, stop going to church. If going is all there is, then there's no point. 
Stop going to church and start being the church. If you are not devoted to the house, if you are not devoted to the people of God, then you are wasting your time. We're just going through the motions. Stop going to church. Today, will you commit to the house? It begins by committing your life to the house. Committing your life to the church by committing your life to Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that we need a Savior. We all know that we're sinners. Even if we don't know what the word means, we all know that we do some dumb things. I believe that every person on the face of the earth has this innate knowledge that I need a Savior. And maybe we don't understand what it is, but we know we need a Savior. It begins with that commitment. Have you given your heart, your life to Jesus? And it's not just saying a prayer, a magical set of words. It is a commitment, a devotion of your life to Jesus. As you bow your heads and we begin a time of commitment today, That is the first question. Have you truly committed your life to Jesus? He's calling you today if you've not. Is He pulling on you today? You would say, yes, I need to commit my life today. Greg, would you pray for me? Would you raise your hand? I'm not calling you to come up front and be embarrassed or anything like that. But it begins with a commitment of your life. Father, I lift up those in this room who are seeking your face, who've never committed their life to you. Lord, would you save them? Would you give them the courage to come and speak with me after church or reach out to someone that they trust and just ask what it means to really follow Jesus? If you look up now, the next step, it requires your time. Discipleship doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. It requires you put in some effort. Would you be committed to giving your time? It requires your talents. When we say talents, you are gifted with something for God. He has given you talents, spiritual gifts for you to use for the kingdom. Would you commit to using those talents for the mission? for the kingdom, for serving and increasing the house.
And it begins or requires your generosity. We see the example of this early church who were willing to be irrational and sacrificial in giving of everything that they had. They were giving to the mission of children like we just saw walk in. They were giving to the mission of reaching the community. They were giving to the poor and those who, who just were in need. It requires your generosity. So this morning, we are asking you to stop going to church, to start being the church. The next chapter of what God is writing for Northview Church requires that we are fully committed. It requires that we are sold out. We are believers who are practicing what we preach, fully devoted to the mission. told you throughout this whole thing, Northview Church is not the only game in town. If God's calling you to invest somewhere else, your finances, your time, your talents, you better go. But if you're here, I believe God's put you here for a reason. We're going to have a time of commitment. Today is your opportunity to go all in. So here's how we're going to do this. The first part is the heart for the house commitment. We sent these cards home with you two or three weeks ago. Who needs a card this morning? They're going to be coming through. On the back of these cards, you will see some things we're asking you to commit to. The first thing you'll see is I commit to praying for this church on these days every week. Don't commit to something you're not going to follow through on. So if you're not going to pray seven days a week, don't circle every single day. Circle when you know you have time and you will commit to praying. That's the most important part of this whole thing. If we're not praying over where God's leading us, then this will not be a success for the church. The second thing you'll see on there is I commit this as an initial gift. That you're committing an initial offering to go to the Heart for the House initiative to begin planting the seeds to where we can achieve the vision of this building, the vision of being a hub in the community for missions, for serving, for all the things we've talked about these last few weeks. It's a one-time gift. And maybe $50, that's the lowest number on here. Maybe that's too much. Okay, there's a little spot that says other. Write your five or even your one or whatever it is. Whatever sacrificial for you, God will bless. Then you'll see on here, I commit to give this as a monthly gift above my tithe. This is an addition in addition to your tithe and your offering. This is a commitment to this Heart for the House initiative. But maybe for you, you've never began tithing. Not, you're not a regular giver, and that's where you need to commit first before you even think about the Heart for the House. That's an option on here as well. 
The other thing I'm going to ask you this morning, the back of the seats in front of you, you'll see cards. I believe it's on the back of the prayer card. It, it tells you if you want to commit to serving. You can also write on there if you want to get involved in discipleship or a life group. So if you're not in any of those things and you want to seek those out, you can grab that card and fill that out as well. So we're going to spend a few minutes praying over these cards. We, we wanted the kids, your whole family, to be a part of this. So if you would, where you're at, pray with your family. How is God leading your family to be sacrificial? How is God leading your family to give to this initiative? Maybe it's just a one-time gift. Or maybe it's just an ongoing gift. However he leads. There's no rules with this. You go how God leads. So I want you to pray over that with your family. You don't have to put your name on here. This is a commitment between you and God. And once you've done that, write it in both spots, the top and the bottom. The bottom is perforated, so you can bend that, tear it off. This is for you to keep. Stick it in your Bibles, tape it to your mirrors at home, whatever it is to remind you, I'm supposed to pray for the church on this day. This is what I'm giving as my initial gift. This is what I'm adding to my tithe. And then there's some scriptures on there for you to meditate over as we go through this. This is a long-term commitment, fully sold out. So would you pray with your family over the cards? And as Megan sings today, she's going to lead a song. This is a time for you to be in meditation and prayer over what God's leading you to. And when you're done praying over it and you've made your commitments, if you would bring them up, you can bring your whole family, you can send one representative and drop them in the box. And then we're going to celebrate together. If you would go ahead, begin praying as Megan leads this morning. To fully know your worth, to know all that you deserve, all of my deceptions, all of my duplicity. Now there is no record, you have paid it all for me, and this is why I thank the Lord for saving me. When I was weak, so I will sing. This is why I thank the Lord for everything. And this is why I thank the Lord. I don't have enough words. I'll never live enough lifetimes to fully know your worth. Know all that you deserve. 
all of my deceptions, all of my duplicity. Now there is no record. You assume the best of me. So this is why I thank the Lord for saving me when I was weak. So I will sing. This is why I thank the Lord for everything. And this is why I thank the Lord. All of my affection. Everything I have to give, some of my attention is measured in the praise I lift. So this is how I thank the Lord for saving me when I was weak. So I will sing, this is how I thank the Lord for everything, and this is how I thank the Lord, and this is how I thank the Lord for loving me and keeping me so i will sing this is how i thank the lord for everything and this is how i thank the lord i will sing i will sing i will live my praises to you i will sing i will sing i will live my praises to you i will sing I will live my praises to you. I will sing, I will sing. This is why I thank the Lord. So this is why I thank the Lord for saving me when I was weak. So I will sing. This is how I thank the Lord for everything. And this is how I thank the Lord. And this is how I thank the Lord for loving me and keeping me. So I will sing. This is how I thank the Lord for everything. And this is how I thank the Lord. 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 And this is how I thank the Lord. We got to hear more than that. This is a celebration time. The Lord is working through the people of Northview Church to reach the community. We will keep you updated on where, where it's at. And, and we'll give you an update next week on what has been committed and of what the needs still may be. You can go recruit some corporate sponsors, whatever it may take to meet the need. But we're celebrating today. You know, this is a big step for our church um, to be stepping out on faith, however the Lord may lead us. So we're going to celebrate this morning through worship. We're going to close with one more song today, just singing the praise of God today, how worthy that Jesus is. Holy is his name. I'm going to pray, and then let's just sing. Sing to the top of your lungs this morning, because God is doing a new thing, and he's doing it through you. And he's going to accomplish something big, and it may look nothing like what we have envisioned, 
but I know he's going to use you to do something amazing. So let's pray. You'd stand. Grab the hand of someone beside you that's not sick. The flu's going around, so try not to get that. And let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all that you have already done through Northview Church. In our three short years together, you have brought us through so many ups and downs and helped us to reach so many people that we've never met, people who've come in and have been saved and, and have begun discipleship process. All these things, Lord, because you have pulled together a group of people who are committed to you and who love you and who love the kingdom. And Lord, as so many today have given this commitment to the Heart for the House initiative, our prayer is, Lord, that you would meet the need, uh, Lord, that you would come through on this because it is a God-sized goal. Lord, would you meet every need that we have? Help us, Lord, to, to use everything that's been committed wisely and that every penny helps us to be on mission, to reach people with the gospel, to make you more famous, to increase the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray.
that one more time. Sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning.